Hey, 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 people. Um, this is Today on the Gram. I'm McKenna Miller, your host, and today I have my friend Jake Jacobson with me. Say hey, Hello. Jake. How's it going, everybody? Great to be here. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about the Enneagram for a little bit, um, probably a 12-week um, little series, and we're really excited about it. So um, join us on this journey because it's going to be super fun. I love the Enneagram, and I'm excited to talk about it with y'all. Absolutely. And uh, I am lucky to be here because ultimately this is uh, not my wheelhouse, uh, but I feel like I know just enough about it to at least be able to prompt you to answer some questions that people might have. Yeah. Um, like, you know so, your number. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, I think I know my number. Yeah. And yeah maybe, exactly. <laughs> maybe over the course of these 12 weeks, maybe I'll find out that I'm right or maybe I was wrong and I'm, maybe I'm more closely aligned with uh, this certain number. And right now, nobody who's listening has any idea what we're even saying. We're speaking know, right? foreign <laughs> to them. <laughs> yeah. But let me start. I, I, uh, I want to ask some questions that maybe some of the listeners uh, and, and members here at Skillin might have questions about when we say, uh, when we talk about the Enneagram. Some people maybe have uh, some idea of what that is. Other people maybe have no clue. They've never heard of it before. So uh, tell us as kind of an introductory way of getting us started, what is the Enneagram? And also, why are you excited about uh, this conversation about it? Yeah, so the Enneagram is, um, I find it to be a tool um, that you can use in ministry and daily life of how to um, discover the parts about yourself, about your personality, that, um, that this is how you are. Um, you, no matter how hard you try, um, you know, you can't just become a different personality type. Um, and you probably wouldn't want to do that. Um, you are going to discover like in some of these different aspects that there's healthy and unhealthy versions of each person, but, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing and it's a way to, um, to look at yourself and to be able to use it as a tool to, um, be the most, the best version of yourself, the most healthy version of yourself and how to interact with the other people around you, your peers, um, your spouse, your friends, um, your kids, um, and how they work and how you can work together by knowing these, these things about you and using it as specifically as a tool and not a weapon because there are a lot of people who like to use it as a weapon and that is just not, that's not what it's for. It's also not um, a cute little Instagram uh, picture or handle. I love me some Enneagram Instagram, Enneagram Instagram accounts, <laughs> but, um, you know, you can't just like type yourself based off of a picture that says, you know, threes really like to, um, spend time in the mirror putting on makeup. Like that's just, that's just like a little, not the most accurate thing. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I feel like already you've 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 said so much that that would be helpful for people to unpack and explore. Uh, so uh, basically, may, maybe as we get started, maybe a, a good way of understanding this is that the Enneagram is a route to self-discovery. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. It helps you understand who you are, and if if other people are willing to share with you who what what number in the uh, in the system that they are, uh, maybe you can understand them a little bit better and uh, together you kind of go through a process of self-discovery and you're able to interact with people in more healthy, more beneficial ways to everybody that's involved. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know also at the same time, when people hear this, 
maybe what they're hearing is, okay, so it's just a personality typing system. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about that a little bit and tell us, uh, it, number one, is it a personality type system? And, and then number two, if it's not that, what is it? I mean, I guess to some extent it is, but it's just so much more in depth than that. And it's really hard for me to explain that like in one sentence. This is really something that you're just going to have to listen. You got to keep listening to it. Um, but there's, there's so many factors of like, so I identify as a three and I will explain in just a little bit what each number is. Um, but I identify as a three, but there's, um, when I'm stressed, I go to the unhealthy attributes of a nine. And when I'm in a really good spot, I go to a lot of the really healthy attributes of a six. And when um, there's things about me that are similar to a two, because that's my wing. And there's just, um, okay, like, let's talk about colors. So when you think of the color red, um, and this is talked about a little bit in the book, when you think of the color red, um, you probably have a different color in your mind than I do. And so right now I'm looking at a red book and it is more of a maroonish red, but it still would fall into the category of red. But then there's, you know, fire engine red. Um, there would be like a pinkish red, a light red, a dark red. And when you go to a Home Depot and you say, hey, I want red paint, the person's going to look at you and be like, okay, what kind of red? Like, that's kind of a dumb question. You can't just say, I want red paint because um, you have no idea what color you're going to get. There are an infinite amount, an infinite number of reds out there. And so the same way, um, just like there are an infinite amount of sixes, there's not just one type of six. You know, nine numbers is, with the amount of people in the world, is not a lot. <laughs> Um, but it's because when you look at each specific one, there's so many different ways to be that one exact number. Um, and, and that's why, you know, Jake joked around at the beginning about, you know, I might discover I'm a different number <laughs> because, you know, there are a lot of times of like, you know, you take a little quiz and it tells you one thing, or you read this book one time and you think you're one thing. But then, you know, the next day you might think, well, I actually am really gravitating towards this today. And so it is, it's a constant journey of self-discovery. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, uh, I, lo I love the color analogy. Uh, number one, because uh, uh, my wife and I fight all the time over what certain things are as far as colors. And so um, take that same kind of situation where you interact with somebody and you're certain that they are coming at something from a certain motivation or for a certain reason, only to discover, of course, that you have different views on it. And what you assumed about the other person turns out not to be true at all. And so uh, the, the journey of self-discovery is really a, a journey to, towards understanding yourself and your motivations, uh, trying to interact with other people in better, healthier ways. And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate uh, the color analogy and uh, trying to call us into this constant journey of uh, who am I and why am I behaving the way that I'm behaving? Why am I reacting to other people the way that I'm reacting? Uh, okay, yeah. oh, a couple sorry. more, well, a couple more things before we really dive into some, some of the specific content about the Enneagram itself. Uh, number one, I, I want to know more about what people can expect over these next 12 weeks. Uh, what, what, are, what are they going to be able to expect from week to week uh, on the conversations that you're having with people? Uh, what, what can they expect when they tune into the podcast? 
Well, uh, for starters, I know you guys don't want to listen to just me talk for 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm going to try to have um, another person with me every week. And um, Jake, you identify as a six, right? Yes. So, you know, Jake might talk a little bit about that. And maybe on the week that I do six, I might, you know, get him to have a conversation with me. Um, but each week, I'm going to try to um, have a guest on this podcast that um, has, you know, dealt with Enneagram at least a little. And so they pretty much know where they're at, um, what they identify as. And so talking to them about their personal experience, um, some of the traits that they've noticed when they're healthy or unhealthy. Um, so that'll be really fun. I'm excited to have a lot of different people um, through our church and some of my friends um, that don't go to Skillman. Um, so that'll be really cool. And I also, I will be basing it off of um, most of the work that I've done with Enneagram was in my co my covenant group, um, which is through 1128 Ministries. And um, my, my group leader, Betsy, and um, the person who helps run 1128, Risa, um, they work with Suzanne Stabile who she is one of the co-authors of The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery. And so that's what um, most of the things that I know um, that I've studied um, are based off of this book. And I will be referencing the book a lot. And so um, if that is something that you are wanting to um, not just listen to this podcast, but to get really a lot more in depth into it, um, I do have copies here at the church. Um, for $10, and I would love for you to come buy one. Um, also, throughout this, um, you're going to have a lot of questions. <laughs> it is something that I remember when Betsy was teaching us, I asked a question every time, um, usually five or six questions, because it is, it's a lot. And um, so if, as you have questions throughout listening to this podcast, if you will just text them to me or email them to me, um, I'm going to answer some of them as I go, but then at the very end, our last class, um, our last podcast will just be me answering all these questions. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. Um, but that's basically 12 weeks of us just diving really deep in and um, giving an overview of this journey to self-discovery. Yeah. And I think too, uh, you know, as people possibly, you know, people might grow more and more interested in this topic too. Uh, the book that you're referencing, The Road Back to You, is one of many resources. Uh, and from what I've heard from people who have spent some time with the Enneagram, it is a really helpful first resource. Yeah. Uh, and so if, if this is the first time you're hearing about the Enneagram, it would be a wonderful thing to grab this book and to, to read through it. It's not a very long book. Um, uh, uh, and it would be a great way to kind of get that introductory grasp of, okay, what are the concepts What's the terminology? Uh, give me an introductory, you know, information about each of the numbers and things like that. And then from there, uh, there there's other resources that uh, some of them are much longer. <laughs> uh, yeah. they, they dive yeah. uh, dive a little bit further into each uh, number and some of the different concepts that the Enneagram uh, uh, talks about. Uh, you already mentioned a couple of them as well. Uh, this is a very complex uh, uh, system that, that that has been created with the Enneagram and you can have wings, uh, which means that there's numbers that are next to your number that sometimes you and you have some of those traits and characteristics. You mentioned that you can you can move when you're healthy to a different number, when you're unhealthy to still another number. Uh, if you ever see an image or a diagram of the Enneagram, uh, you see like this this crazy looking symbol 
that kind of connects some of the numbers together. And so, yeah, it, there's a lot of, a lot that goes into this. And so the book would be a great resource to kind of uh, start off the journey. And, and then from there, you, maybe you find some other resources that can help deepen and understand more about the topic. Mm -hmm. uh, but anything else introductory wise, or, or, or are we ready to dive into what is uh, number one, what is number seven, uh, and, and some of these different things? Yeah, I think that um, going ahead and talking about each type would, I'm excited, I'm ready to go. Okay, all right, well, uh, I know that you're going to reference some, some of the uh, uh, descriptions that are in, in that book, The Road Back to You, so I'm going to turn it over to you for a few minutes and let you just kind of work your way through numbers one through nine. And uh, I might hop in here and there and just uh, make a snide remark or something like that about uh, the, the good numbers and the bad numbers. I don't know, but uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I wanted to tell y'all what all the, the good ones are and the bad ones are. Just kidding. That doesn't <laughs> exist, Jake. Sorry. I, I um, led, I'm leading people astray already. <laughs> <laughs> I will say there are some numbers that um, uh, challenge me more personally from those specific people that I know in my life. But um, again, there are no good numbers. There are no bad numbers. There, uh, there are unhealthy and healthy states of each specific number. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and list them. And um, I'm, this is straight from the book. I'm gonna read a one little sentence description of each one. So first we have type one, that is the perfectionist. They are ethical, dedicated, and reliable. They are motivated by a desire to live the right way, improve the world, and avo avoid fault and blame. Um, type two is the helper. They're warm, caring, and giving. They are motiva motivated by a need to be loved and needed and to avoid acknowledging their own needs. Type three is the performer um, or the achiever. They're success-oriented, image-conscious, um, and wired for productivity. They are motivated by a need to be or appear to be su successful and avoid failure. Wow, they, they sound rough. Not fun people. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's so kind. That's so kind to say. <laughs> so kind to myself. <laughs> um, type fours are the romantic. They're creative, sensitive, and moody. They are motivated by a need to be understood, experience uh, their oversized feelings, and avoid being ordinary. Type five is the investigator. They're analytical, detached, and private. They are motivated by a need to gain knowledge, conserve energy, and avoid relying on others. Type six is the loyalist. They're committed, practical, and witty. They are worst case scenario thinkers who are motivated by fear and the need for security. Does that one sound familiar? No, no comment. No, no comment. comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> type seven. Um, type seven is the enthusiast. Fun, spontaneous, and adventurous. They are motivated by a need to be happy, uh, to plan uh, stimulating experiences, and to avoid pain. Type eight is the challenger. They're commanding, intense, and confrontational. They are motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. And then lastly, we have type nine, which is the peacemaker. They're pleasant, laid back, and accommodating. They are motivated by a need to keep the peace, merge with others, and to avoid conflict. And so that's 
that is the nine types that we have of the Enneagram. Um, again, that is just a one little sentence. Um, but um, honestly, reading just those one sentences, I, based on the description, I really do feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't sound like a three. Like I really, I feel like I am closer to a two just based on that one sentence. But I know that when I dive deep, <laughs> uh, I, I am, I'm a three. <laughs> and there are some things that, um, there are some things that I, when I read things about the three, I'm like, wow, that hurts that you are targeting me. And I feel, um, I feel a little bit of shame and, uh, it makes sense because that is, uh, I'm in the type that is the heart triad, which goes to shame, which again, you guys don't know a lot about, but I will explain that later. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's our nine types and, uh, man, I'm excited. So throughout the next few weeks, um, I'm going to go in the order of triads. So I'm going to start with the gut triad, which is numbers eight, nine, and one. Then I'm going to go into the, the heart triad, which is two, three, and four, and then end with the head triad, which is five, six, and seven. And, um, we're going to, each number is going to get their own week, um, their own podcast. And so I will have a lot of time to explain on each number and, you know, get someone's personal experience in being that number and how they interact with others and how they strive to be a healthy nine or a healthy four. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, like you said, each one of them has so much that goes into it. And uh, I'm sure people, if, if you're listening to this and you've never heard some of the terms that McKenna just threw out triads and uh, uh, different things like that, uh, stick with us and, and continue to learn about these and we'll unpack uh, during each numbers week what those numbers represent and what those uh, different words and, and terminology, uh, what the terminology stands for and means. I do have a couple more questions and things that I wanna uh, kind of hit on as we get started by talking about this, uh, this tool that, that uh, is called the Enneagram. And uh, the first one is I want you to, to reiterate uh, what you said before you described those about each number, uh, there's no good or bad number. Uh, each number uh, is, it's its own identity and you can be healthy within that number and you can be unhealthy within that number. So talk a little bit more about that uh, and what that means for somebody who uh, might find out that they are a number, whatever on the Enneagram. So in each number there is, um, you can be, at least at this book, it'll explain, you can be healthy, you can be average, or you can be unhealthy. I think typically um, just reality, a lot of us live in the average spot um, there are days that are better than others, um, but we will notice when we're in a really unhealthy spot, um, or at least after studying it, I notice when I'm being in a very unhealthy spot. And I also do notice when I'm being very healthy. Um, but I definitely think it's easier to recognize when you're being unhealthy. And so for, for my instance, um, one of the things that I revert to in the unhealthy stance is self-image and the way that people see me. Um, and so I do, I will spend a lot of time on that. And there, when it's healthy, it's because I want to, it's because I want to look nice. And I just, I enjoy that about myself. And I, I enjoy um, fashion and um, working on myself, either through physical activity or whatever it is. But when I'm being unhealthy, it's 
I'm trying to change the way I look. I'm trying to change my body. I'm trying to change all of these things about me because um, I want this person to think better of me or I want them to see me as better. Um, it's, it's a very, I'm in a very competitive number. Um, one of the things about, um, about threes a lot of the times is are they are very competitive people. And so not only do I want to be seen as the best or successful, um, not only in my job, but in um, sports. So sorry again for all the people in fantasy with me. Um, I'm struggling in our girls league and um, I, I get I get a little unhealthy when I play sports or fantasy football because, but I don't like to lose. But that's okay. I won last year, so it's no big deal. Not to flex or anything. See, that's me being unhealthy by trying to like humble put brag. it out there. Humble yeah, brag. humble brag. <laughs> Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> um, yeah, Jake made up that term because there are times when I'm unhealthy in the office and I like to just throw it out there that, yeah, I did that. And he goes, hashtag humble brag. So um, again, even other people can recognize it. Um, but it's basically whenever you see things that um, in your own personality that honestly that you just don't like, that you, um, you know, one thing we, we'll talk about a little bit in the future is um, some of the, the deadly sins um, that the certain numbers will go into. And so for, for mine specifically, is a three is deceit. And this is horrible, but I used to, I remember when I was younger, especially, I used to just lie um, when people would ask me about myself. And it wasn't even like big lies. Like it was like, I would change a couple of facts or just tweak a little, like I would tell a story and I would tweak it a little bit to sound better. And it's not even that it did, but it was just because I thought it did and I wanted to seem better. And they would have never known, but that's just one of those things of like, I have to be the best, I have to be better. And so I'm gonna tweak it. And that is a completely unhealthy trait of a three. And I fall into that category just like everybody else does. But I think on average, or in general, we fall into the average category of some days are better than others. And, and when you really start to recognize it, that's, that's when it becomes the best because you can see, oh, I'm being really healthy right now. I want to stay in this state. I want to continue to work on myself and I want to be there or, oh, I'm being really unhealthy. Well, what can I do to, to change that behavior? And, and one of the quotes um, that Ian Morgan Cron says in here that I just love is, your number is not determined by what you do so much by why you do it. And so that's, that's the whole Enneagram is not, you know, it's not just looking at what I'm doing, but it's the reasoning behind it. And so when I look at something, why do I want to be better? Why do I feel this need to compete with everyone in my life? Um, you know, because that's where you really find out the answers is not asking, well, what is, what am I doing? But why am I doing what I'm doing? So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think too, uh, uh, as we think about this process and, and the, the aspects of being healthy and unhealthy, uh, this can be a very revealing work. And, uh, and part of the reason why, uh, why we wanted to talk about this and why you especially wanted to talk about this is because it is, uh, uh, by knowing yourself, you are better able to uh, understand how it is that you are relating to other people in the world. And for us specifically as, as Christians and followers of Jesus, uh, how is it that we are uh, relating and understanding who God is 
And so you, you mentioned already that uh, there are certain things that each of the numbers have associated with them. And so uh, perhaps uh, a deadly sin or a struggle, a sin struggle uh, can be associated with that. But there's also positives that can be associated with these different numbers. Uh, certain spiritual practices uh, maybe are, are generally more, uh, it, more important and meaningful uh, if you practice this way uh, and you're a num this certain number, uh, those tend to go together sometimes. Uh, and so not everybody likes to uh, uh, pray silently, but maybe some numbers are more uh, disposed to praying silently, whereas others uh, prefer to pray in community and different things like that. And we'll dive in, uh, you'll dive into those, I'm sure, in the following weeks and, and uh, different things like that. I wanted to ask too uh, about how people come to the realization that they are a certain number. Uh, how, how do people choose, okay, I'm, I'm a one, or I'm, I'm a seven, or uh, I'm a nine? Uh, how do people come to understand what number they are? Well, <laughs> I will tell you that I came to realize that I'm a three um, because it is the number that I hated the most. When I was reading it, I, I really did. I felt so much a lot that sounds so bad but there was a lot of guilt and shame that came with that number because I said oh no I do that oh no I do that um but then even reading the good things you know you, you focus so much on the bad things we do that in everyday life but then even reading the good things like they're typically very outgoing well yeah check I don't know any strangers um they're you know they're typically very um uh, they're like, they're leaders, they're competitive. Like my competitiveness can be a bad thing when I'm in an unhealthy state, but I, I find it to be a very good quality about myself. Um, I have seen, again, I have seen it be a very bad quality in myself. Um, but being someone who is, um, part of my wanting to be successful is also the, when I, from little kid until now, I've been playing sports my whole life and um, just doing tasks. And one uh, comment that I always got from people was, she's so coachable. And I never really understood what that comment meant. Um, I was like, well, does that just mean that like, I'm like a follower and that I'm like, you know, people can boss me around. And, um, but it's, it's more of people tell me something and I really, take that criticism to heart and I say I want to fix that I want to be better and so I'm going to take what they're teaching me and I'm really going to focus on it and I'm going to to coach like I'm going to take their coaching I'm going to be coachable and I'm going to fix that and so you know that's that is my competitiveness in a healthy state of being a coachable person um you know of wanting to you know like in youth ministry going to conferences um listening to podcasts um, seeking out advice from other ministers. Um, I want to be the best version of myself. And so I'm going to go to these different outlets um, to be coached so that I can be the most successful for my students. Because it's not, you know, in my healthy state, it's I want people to think I'm great. But in, in my healthy stance, it's I want to be successful for my students. I want them to to thrive because I'm doing a good job because I'm helping them grow their relationship with Jesus. So I think that everybody um, can come to diagnose themselves in a different way. Um, but for me, it came with more of the unhealthy traits of a three and seeing 
wow, this is, um, you know, this is, this is the thing that I can tell. There's just so many things about this that there's no way I'm something else. And I even still now, I still question it. I'm like, well, you know, even Jake's saying, maybe I'm going to discover something else within these 12s. Like, like, how bad would that be if the teacher were to discover they were something else? <laughs> but, you know, I just, I know, like I've studied it and we, the more you learn about it, the more you just see. And that's the thing is that I think at the beginning I was kind of, I was hesitant and I, I think I didn't, I didn't want to be a three because there was a lot of people that were described as threes that I was like, I don't, I don't really like, like Tiger Woods and, and Bill Clinton. And it's, you know, I read one thing that said the three is like the, the head cheerleader, prom queen, uh, politician. And I was like, that is not me. Like, I do not want to be known as like the mean girl who got the, you know, crown on her head and now wants to just be mean. Like, that's just not me. Um, but it is someone who is successful and, uh, and competitive and so that's why a lot of times it can be described as someone like that and so I think that that was a part of it of not wanting to be that but knowing like this is who I was and I think that you know people can take the quizzes and the tests and I did I took one um but and th there there will be some truth to that it's not like you know you're not going to get a super opposite number of you um than what you self-diagnose reading the book but you might get one, like one time I took a quiz and I was a two and I'm a wing of a two. So I show a lot of attributes of a two. Um, but I know that there are a lot of things about a two that are not like me. Yeah. And I think too, you know, uh, you, you mentioned that there are a couple of ways that people can, uh, you know, there are quizzes and tests available. And, and if, if you did a Google search, um, for the Enneagram, you know, an Enneagram test, there'd be any number of uh, options that you could choose from. And uh, uh, so sometimes those uh, are helpful, uh, but I, I would probably uh, let people know that that is, that is one step along the journey to the discovery of who you are. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, you, you might test for a number that you have similar attributes to, and uh, it might be a wing or it might be a number that you go to when you're healthy or when you're unhealthy. Uh, and so use that and continue to, to study and, and uh, continue to try to understand what this uh, Enneagram is trying to tell you about each of the numbers. Uh, and it, truly, it is helpful to know uh, more than about just your number, because there are other people in the world who are a different number than you are. And so you'll be able to interact with them uh, a little bit better knowing perhaps what number they themselves might be. I know too, I have a, a friend uh, that is the one who actually introduced the Enneagram to me initially. And uh, she uh, uh, identified originally as a uh, three as well. Uh, but she actually, uh, as the more she studied and the more she looked into it, uh, she said, no, I think I'm actually a really and truly a one. And so mm -hmm. she moved her number and said, I, and this is a language that is pretty familiar, uh, pretty, uh, commonplace with the Enneagram is I identify as, yeah. uh, and then you list a number. Uh, I identify as a six or as a, as a nine or as a, a two. Uh, and and uh, the truth is that you are the only one who can choose uh, what you think you really are. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I wanted to ask about this as well, because I know that you mentioned it early in the podcast, uh, uh, but it is uh, something that uh, a lot of the Enneagram teachers will caution against. 
is uh, trying to type someone else and, mm -hmm. and using the Enneagram as almost a weapon. <laughs> so t tell us just briefly about that again and remind us of, of why it's important to use this for yourself and to allow other people the space uh, to uh, discover who they are. So, so important. I, um, I think it is really uh, important for you to or I think, I think it's just smart for you to talk to the people in your life about this and to have them go on this journey with you because, um, typing other people is so not great. <laughs> like it is, it's just wrong. It's not good. And not only can that confuse them, um, it, there's not really a good way for you to type other people in a healthy way. Um, I know we're all inclined to it and we've all done it. Um, well, if you've studied the Enneagram, I, I have typed everyone in my family and only one of my family members actually knows what they are, but I don't sit there and tell them, yes, this is what I think you are. My mom even asked me and I was so reluctant to tell her because, you know, I don't want her to just to go based off of what I say. This is something that I, I think everyone needs to encourage the people in their lives, the, co the close people in your life. Um, to to do this so that you can do it with them and and it is so it is the best tool not only for yourself but for the people that you interact with and and Suzanne Stabile came out with a, a book um after this one that it talks about now that you know your number and your spouse knows their number and your parents know their number um here's what y'all can do with that you guys can intermingle this way and you can you can um for instance my brother is an eight and I struggle a lot with eights um, just because they, you know, they're in the aggressive stance. They're, um, they revert to anger. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a lot for me to handle. And when I'm in an unhealthy stance, I shut down. Like I become a nine and I just, I don't want to deal with anything and I can't make a decision. Um, and so when, an, when an eight is coming at me, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to, I don't know how to act. Like I just, I just shut down. And so with my brother, we used to just go at it and I couldn't figure out why we could never work it out. Um, we have recently had a come to Jesus moment and we're like great friends now, which is, I'm so thankful for. And honestly, a lot of it really does have to do with the Enneagram. And we both read the book around the same time and we both like talked about it. And, and there are things about myself that he's like, no, who would ever do that? That's crazy. Like you, you base your decisions off of emotions. Like who would ever do that? And I'm like, well, that's, that's, I, I do, I do that. I, I, a lot of my decisions happen because of the way I feel or because of the way other people feel. I don't, I don't make decisions based on just this is in my gut and I know I have to do it. So I'm just going to do it. And that's, that's what he does. And so figuring out how to work together and, and understanding it's, it's kind of like the same thing with the love languages, you know, you have your own love language, but your, you know, your sibling has a different love language. And so if you're only trying to make them happy based on what you like, that's never going to work for them. You have to sit there and, and do things for them that they enjoy. I, acts of service is like last on mine and I have like one on it. Like I, I think that's great, but it's not what, you know, that's not what feeds me. And my mom, that's her number one. And so as much as I hate it, I know that if I like clean my mom's house, she'll be like crying because that's just how she works. Um, and so it's, you know, when you get to that point of like, 
working with people, um, it goes from me looking at my brother and saying, you're being such an eight right now to me saying, Hey Seth, like, let's, let's talk about this and let's look at this situation and, and knowing what he thinks, what he does and how he works and approaching it already knowing that instead of just freaking out because he's like screaming and making decisions without thinking about them. And I'm like, that's so frustrating. Who does that? But he's looking at me like, who makes decisions based off of emotions? That's insane. And so you really do get to, to know people better. And, and it, it is, it's not, it's not great to just type people. And that's one of the things that I get frustrated with, with Instagram accounts is it's kind of fun, but it's also like, come on, like they'll say, okay, these are the Harry Potter characters, Enneagram numbers. And it's like, well, most likely, yes, to their fictional characters. So probably <laughs> not. And three, it's like, you know, you never know. Cause you don't know them. You're not them. You're not Harry Potter. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what I'm hearing you say, it, was, it would definitely not be a good idea to go to like a sibling or somebody that you share a household with no and way. say, man, you are really being an unhealthy four right now. Uh, you, would, you would caution against that, I, I guess yes. is what you're saying. <laughs> they've done that has horrible fallout, let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the advice is allow this to be a self-discovery. Invite other people to try to discover who they are through this Enneagram or uh, you know, any, any of these different things. You mentioned the love languages. I know that there are other personality tests out there as well. But uh, we, we prefer the Enneagram because of uh, perhaps what I'm about to ask you about. And so uh, let me ask, uh, I think, a pretty big question, a pretty important question, uh, hopefully one that uh, our listeners uh, care deeply about. But uh, wh while we're talking about this uh, Enneagram, which is a, a, a way of uh, understanding who you are, why would we do this as people of faith? What does the Enneagram have to say to people who care about spiritual matters and matters of faith in God? What, what's the connection between the Enneagram and following Jesus? Well, I will say that, at least based on some of the other ones, this is the only one that I've ever studied that really talks about your faith and how you can just be your best version and interact with your peers um, and find, like you said earlier, talking about your spiritual practices, finding what works for you based on your likes and dislikes and based on your personality. Um, you know, I am a creative person and a part of that does go with being a three or identifying as a three. And, um, like one thing that I love to do for my own personal worship is I love to Bible journal and I love to, um, to draw and to listen to worship music. And I just, I get lost in that. And I don't think that that's something that you would enjoy very much, but sitting in <laughs> silence sounds like death. Like that sounds awful. I know that there's times I have to do it, but oh my word, there's nothing I hate worse. Like I, I want to be with people. I, if, if I have to have alone time, I want to be drawing and coloring and listening to music and, and being creative. But if, but if I have my choice, like I want to be in practically a mosh pit, like worshiping so loud, just singing my little heart out and just knowing that like I am surrounded by believers and that is just something that I just, I love. And I, it, it really does tie into, I love being with people. And I, that's, that's part of being a three. Like I love being around people. And, and so I think it's something that you can not only discover some of the, um, 
some of those big sins that you might revert to. Um, I mean, honestly, reading that, I didn't even think about the fact that deceit is something that is really big in my life. Um, I used to just say lying, but, you know, just it's, it's on a more intense level than that. And, um, and I've always known it was a problem, but I kind of pushed it aside because I'm like, oh, it's not that big of a problem. But, um, you know, you discover things like that, like, so some of the unhealthy things, but some of the healthy things of like, what is the, the ways that you can connect to God the best through just discovering yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, there are a lot of ties, uh, uh, for many of us in order to follow the commandments of Jesus, to love God and to love our neighbor, uh, we also have to learn what it means to love ourselves. And, uh, in order for us to love our neighbor as ourselves, <laughs> we have to understand who we are, uh, who we are in God's sight. And, uh, perhaps, uh, on that journey of self-discovery, we can learn how to, uh, practice our faith more deeply, uh, more honestly, and, uh, and maybe even uncover some things that we have that we need to work on uh, along the way. So I want to wrap up by saying uh, uh, just a, a reiteration. McKenna had asked if you have questions during these podcasts, if you have uh, you know, things that we mentioned that are confusing or, or that you're just not sure what that meant, please write those down, send them in a text message or an email to McKenna. And uh, she would love to uh, be able to dive into some of those questions as the weeks progress or that very last week as she kind of really goes into that Q&A uh, type session on the, on the last week of the podcast. Uh, but I guess other than that, uh, any, any other things that you want to uh, tell the listeners before we end, McKenna? You know, I'm just really excited about this podcast. I was a little nervous about it. Um, still am. I am not an expert. Um, I think to call anyone an expert is kind of like, you know, just because it is, it is a, a journey of self-discovery that we are all learning about every day. Um, you know, I, I, I guess Suzanne Stabile, she's, she's, she's pretty expert. Um, she's a baller. Um, but I am not, I am not her and I did not even learn directly under her, but this is something that I am passionate about. I love the Enneagram and I love continuing to learn about it. And so I'm excited to, talk to y'all about um, what I know and I'm excited to learn more about it as I talk to y'all about it and so um, just keep looking out next week we're gonna have um, we're gonna start off with number eight and I'm excited about it and it'll be great so um, thank you for listening and I'll see you next week